Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Fantastic. Thank you, Hersey, for sharing. That is great. Well, Christmas is coming. Are you ready? No, yes. Some people say no, some people say yes. Yesterday we went and we got our Christmas tree. We went and uh, chopped it down and decorated it and uh, all of that. But um, yeah, who's started their present buying already? Oh, quite a few have started. Who's finished their present buying? Some people have finished already. What did you get me, Mitchell? (laughs) Nothing. So you're not actually finished. You said that you're finished, but you're not actually finished yet. So every year in Australia, even last year during the pandemic, Australians spent $17.3 billion on Christmas presents. So that equates to about $893 per adult. Now, some of those gifts were probably good, Others, maybe, not so good. Uh, There was one study that was trying to work out, and they estimate that uh, in one year alone, just in Australia, that there were $148 million left unspent on those gift cards that we sort of give as that last-minute thing when we can't think of anything else to give. $148 million wasted just given uh, to people that then didn't use it. And so, as we gather, as we start to prepare for Christmas, we want to make sure that we are giving good gifts, that we're giving gifts that are, that are needed, that are, that are essential to the people that we're giving them to. Because even on that very first Christmas, the world didn't know what it needed on the shelf. God still gave something that the world needed, even though they didn't know they needed it. Now, when I was little, it was easy to work out what was, you know, what my parents were going to buy me because I would do up a Christmas list. Who would do that when they were little? And you'd, you'd put it in rank order, wouldn't you? Of The thing that you wanted the most was sort of up the top so that hopefully they would get the gist and, and uh, buy the thing that you wanted the most at, at the very top of your list. But it was easy to have five or ten or more things that we could have on our list of things that we wanted to receive at Christmas. But now as I get older, it's kind of harder to come up with gifts, with things for me to buy. So I'll forgive you, Mitchell, for not buying me a gift just yet. (laughs) But so over these next four weeks as we delve into this Christmas story, hopefully we will discover that although we've grown up, although we might think that Christmas isn't for us anymore, that in actual fact... Christmas and the gift God gave to us at Christmas is actually desperately needed. So, 
how do we work out gifts to give, good gifts? Sometimes when I don't know what to do, when I can't see uh, the way forward, I like to think of what not to do and then it helps me to work out to just, you know, do the opposite. So in these four boxes, I have four different uh, gifts that uh, are bad gifts. And they're bad for different reasons. So we're going to open them and hopefully this will help us to work out what the good gift that God gave us at, at Christmas time. So, I don't know if you ever do maybe like a Kris Kringle or something with your family and sometimes there's always at least one person in every family that is really hard to buy for, isn't there? Those people that seem to kind of already have everything that they could want. That if they want something, they, uh, they seem to be able to go out and, and buy it and they can get it better than what you can get. And so it's really kind of really hard to buy for those people, isn't it? Have you experienced that before? Um, so, Scott, can you come up here, please? Yeah, Scott. Just come up onto the stage. Scott is one of my best mates, um, and he's one of these people that it is really, really hard to buy for because he kind of, he gets most things that, that, he, that he wants. But needs. Needs, yeah, needs. <laughs> and I've come up with a plan, you see. So I've actually got you something here that I really know that you're actually going to like. Okay, now you might not know how I know that you're going to like this. But if you'd like to open up your, this gift, yep, open it up. I bought him a Lamborghini, but more than that, this is actually already his. I got Ingrid to sneak it to me through the week, so thanks you can grab your seat. So the reason that that is a bad gift, even though he did like it because it's his, it's a bad gift because it's something that he already had. So it cost me nothing. It cost me nothing. It required no sacrifice for me whatsoever. So it's a bad gift because I'm just giving him back what was already his. All right. Let's see this next gift. I wonder what's in here. Oh. This looks like a good gift. How, you know, we've got... We've got some, uh, some chocolates here. Did you want a chocolate? Take a chocolate. You can have a chocolate. Okay, you owe me. Do you, do you, would you like a... Okay, okay you can owe me. Do you, did you want a, do you want a chocolate? You can owe me. Do you want a chocolate? You can owe me. Do you want a chocolate? You can owe me. Do you want a chocolate? Do you want a chocolate? You can owe me. No. Do you want a chocolate? Yep, you can owe me. You, you can owe me. Yep. Do you want a Yep. Do you want a chocolate? You can owe me. Yep. Do you want a chocolate? You can owe me. Do you want a chocolate? You... All right. You can owe me three times. 
Now, the reason that this is a bad gift is because it came with strings attached. That it came with this idea that I'm giving you something, but I want something back. It's a bad gift because it comes with strings attached. All right. Pastor Ray, do you want to come up here? It's Pastor Ray's birthday today. All right. This, this gift is, is for you. Feels like a brick. Feels like a brick. It's not a brick. You don't look impressed. No, it's my favourite food. It's a uh, bad seed, poisonous seed, toxic, oh, it's seed. toxic seed. It's toxic seed. It looks like beans, which could be toxic for another reason. <laughs> but that's, it's a bad gift because it's harmful to us. It's not... Yeah. So that's a bad gift because it's harmful. All right. Trying to see if he's in here. Where's Where's George? Is George in here? Where's Oh, George, come up here, George. We have our final gift for you, Pastor George. Not chocolate. You can ha You can have a chocolate. All right. Now you owe me. All right. <laughs> this is for you. You. So, you can leave that. Thank you, George. You can grab your seat. You can take it home afterwards. I just need it up here for the illustration, George. So, that's a bad gift because it's a false image. It's a false picture of who George is. So, these are all bad gifts for four very different reasons. So, we're going to go through these different reasons and then see how Christ is actually the opposite of that to us. So, the first one was a bad gift because it was something that was already theirs. And again, we can say it's the thought that counts. I don't know if you've heard people say that before. And there's a scripture here that uh, it comes from Mark 12. And it says this, A poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more in than all of those contributing, who are contributing to the offering box. For they have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So we might like to argue, well, she gave a small amount. So then we too can give a small amount because the smaller I give, the more that's left for me. I want more for myself. So we can say, like that widow, praise. maybe if we just give two cents... 
that that's enough. She was praised by Jesus for giving her two cents. Plus, you know, I mean, tithing isn't really in the New Testament anyway, is it? I mean, forget the fact that Jesus commends us for doing it and encourages us to do that. We'll just put that aside. But really, it's an Old Testament thing, surely. Surely we can uh, take what we want and need for ourselves and use it as an excuse to say, well, God already has everything that He could want, so He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need me to, to give anything. So New Testament should be all about the minimum we can get away with and not feel guilty. That we don't give for those reasons. But the opposite of that is the good gift that He gives to us. He gives us everything. He gave His everything to us. And 2 Samuel 24, 24 says, I will buy them from you at a full price. I won't offer the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Jesus didn't wait until the Boxing Day sales, when everything was 50% off to give to us. He gave abundantly. He gave everything that he had. That gift giving should involve a sacrifice. That the more the sacrifice, the more love it actually shows that we have for the person. God actually gave full price. He did it joyfully to demonstrate his great love for us. He gave what the world didn't have to give. A sinless, perfect life. It wasn't something that we already had, but it's what we desperately needed at Christmas time. It was a good gift in Christ. So a second bad gift, the gift that comes with strings attached. And 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, Anyone who refuses to work should not eat. So we should get what we deserve. In other words, we should only get what we have earned. It's good to put conditions on things because it shows who should get what, who should get more and who should get less. Those that give more, those that do more, deserve more back. And so we can give with strings attached. I mean, all of life works this way. The harder you work, the more you get paid. As a, as a parent, if your child is doing the right thing, then you give them praise. So if all of life works that way, then surely God works that way too. When He gives His gift to us, surely there's strings attached, there's conditions, and surely if you're a pastor, you get your prayers answered before everybody else who's normal people. 
we kind of think that God is like that, that He gives with strings attached. A few years ago, I asked my wife, Belinda, what she wanted for her birthday. And she said, oh, Josh, I really want a blower vac, you know, to, to vacuum up all the, the leaves outside in the garden. I said, oh, this is great, a, a practical gift, a gift, something that I, can, that I can give, something that I can get behind. So I said, all right, well, I know that, you know, you don't like starting the lawnmower or the chainsaw or anything that has like a, a pull start. So I'll look for one, like maybe a battery-powered one, maybe a, an electric uh, plug-in one. And she's like, no, I'll, I want the one with the string. Is that, is that the most powerful one? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the most powerful one. But are you sure you want that one? You, yep, I want the one with the, the string. I want that one. So I thought, oh, great. Yes, powerful, good, uh, practical, great. Went ahead, bought this. Uh, blow back for her, gave it to her on her birthday. She went out, tried to start it. And so now for the past five years, every time she wants the leaves vacuumed up, she says, Joshy, <laughs> would you, I, I can't start. It's got one of those pool starts. It's got the strings. I can't start. Can you please do it? Why does that get around of a book? <laughs> it was definitely a gift with strings attached. <laughs> the string was attached, but I've been doing all the work attached to that gift for the past four years. But sometimes we kind of think that God gives to us that same way, don't we? That God has given us this gift. He's given us a servant heart. Oh, you've been given a servant heart. Don't we hate that gift? A servant, that means you're going to ask me to do everything that no one else wants to do. That's the worst gift of all. But we kind of think that God gives like that. He gives with conditions. I'm giving so that I can get something back from you. A bad gift. Conditions. But that's not how God gives. The good gift that God gives costs the giver but is free to the receiver. Isaiah 55.1 says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So God understands that when it comes to gifts, a true gift is given not in accordance with merit, but actually in accordance with need. That we can think that God is going to give to all the good Christians, the people that are praying the right prayers and doing the right things, that have stored up a certain amount of credit in God's bank account. But in this passage and at Christmas time, we actually see that God gives freely, without conditions. That He actually looks to the, to the people in our society, in our world, that are actually 
hungry, that are actually thirsty, those that are bankrupt. And he says to them, you, you, you who are hungry, you who are thirsty, you who, who have nothing, come and drink and eat without price because I've actually paid the price for you. It cost me everything, but it's given freely to you. If you're in need, then you come to him and receive his gifts. Those who need it most are those who are the hungriest, who are the thirstiest, who are the most bankrupt, are the ones that he calls. Our third gift was something that was bad for us, that was toxic, that was actually harmful to us and leads to death. And Galatians 6, 7 to 9 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will, will from the flesh reap corruption. But to the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So here the Bible is saying, what you sow, you reap. Kind of like karma, what you sow, you reap. You do bad, you get bad, you do good, you get good, yin and yang and all of that kind of stuff. But even if that is true, how do we exchange these bad seed for good seed? I mean, if all we sow is bad seed, then we're going to reap bad. So we need somehow to get access to good seed. So the good gift that God gives is this. It says in James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above. So the good gift then sounds like it's an exchange of the bad seed that we sow for good seed that God wants to give us. So again, does that mean that as long as we use that good gift and we sow slightly more good seed than bad, that that's actually enough for us to get into heaven? That, that the gift that God wants to give us at Christmas time is the ability to be good enough to sow good seed. doesn't kind of sound like the gospel, does it? But it sounds like what we think. That we tend to kind of think, well, if this is poisonous, then as long as I mix 49% poison with 51% water and then consume it, I should be fine, right? No, we kind of know that if 
the, the poison is toxic enough, if the seed is bad enough, that even one seed in a thousand is actually enough to kill us. This doesn't sound good, does it? I mean, we're trying to exchange this bad gift for a good gift. Surely, surely karma is better because you only need, you know, you need 50-50, you need that balance. So we're still in trouble with the gospel. If, if he's just giving us good seed, if he's just exchanging the good the, the bad for, for good, the ability to sow good, we're still in trouble because I'm sure you would agree that all of us at least once in our life have sown at least one bad seed. But if one bad seed is enough to kill us, doesn't matter how many good seeds we sow, how is that a good gift? How is that a perfect gift, as the scripture said? It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And yet, don't we spend so much of our time working out how many bad to good seeds we sow in comparison to the people around and about us? So we might go, well, you know, Seb, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty good. I reckon, I reckon he's about 80-20. <laughs> good, 20 bad, maybe. All right. Hayden, probably a little bit lower down on the scale, Hayden. <laughs> maybe 55 good. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Jeremy, oh, Jeremy, like, Jeremy's like 99. But don't we kind of do that as Christians? Don't we so much of our time go, oh, they're better than us. Like, you know, but the outcome is still the same. It doesn't matter whether it's 99 or 80 or 55 or 49 or 1. One bad seed is enough to kill all of us. So don't we want to blame God for that? Don't we want to blame God for these bad seeds and say, this doesn't seem like a good deal at all. This does not seem like a good gift. That The world is set up that way. Why did God set it up that way? But we need to realize that God didn't set it up that way. That in the beginning there was no bad seed. That everything that he created was good. So what's the solution? What's the opposite? What's this perfect gift? It's not just a good gift of being able to exchange the bad seed for good seed. We, the Bible promised to us not just a good gift but a perfect But if the Bible is also true when it says you reap what you sow, how is that possible? What is the good 
gift that's going to bring about resolution to both of these things. Unless the good gift is not a thing, but a person that was willing to say, every bad seed that you have sowed, I will consume. Every bad thought that you've ever thought, every bad thing that you've ever done, it has to be consumed. You reap what you sow unless someone was willing, someone that only sowed good seed, someone that should have never tasted of death, someone that should have lived eternally, that could say, I'm only going to sow good seed, but I will consume every bad seed that you have ever sown of eternal life that I came to sow, that I came to sow my very self at Christmas time, that you can actually reap what you didn't sow because I reaped the wrath, the pain, the sickness, the judgment. I reaped it all when I came at Christmas time. That was my intent. Our fourth gift, our bad gift, is our false picture. And we say to ourselves, I'm not God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of the glory, of God's glory, and the exact imprint of the divine nature. Now, if the Bible makes mention of this fact, if it makes special mention of the fact that Jesus is the exact imprint of God, it kind of means that no one else is. So we can be excused for not always looking our best, can't we? But how are we going to exchange this bad gift for a good one? Unless we first know that we probably all have a distorted image of ourselves. So then the opposite of that is a true image, a true picture of who we are. But sometimes that almost seems scary, doesn't it? We don't actually want people to see our true self. And so we like to put filters and different things on our life. We like to display our life. We don't actually want pity so that we can portray this image to the world of what we want because we don't actually want people to see the true us because we think that the true us is worse than the filter, than the distorted image that we can portray. Christmas time, 
we actually see that the true image, the image that he places upon us is far better than any Instagram filter, far better than any airbrushing technique, than any Photoshop, than what he would do for us. The way that God sees us and what he would do for us is actually the greatest gift that we could ever receive. We're going to read from Matthew 22. It says this, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him, Jesus, in his words, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. So they're talking about truth. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Then tell us, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were marveled. They marveled and left him and went away. Now, some of you might be thinking that's a bit of a strange passage to bring out at Christmas time and the giving of gifts. But this actually, this passage actually tells us the gift that we actually get to give to God. That every other gift we've been talking about, we've been talking about how we receive, and we do need to receive from God as part of this passage but this passage actually starts to give us a clue about what God wants from us this Christmas and I think it's an important passage as well based on where we are in society today some of the questions that that we have because wouldn't we all love to know what Jesus response was to mask no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. But here in this passage, they're trying to get him to take a side. Just like friends, family members, different people, work colleagues, so many people are trying to get us to take sides on these issues. And they think, if you're on that side, then you're against me. If you're on this side, then you're against that. To understand that the Roman government that was in rule was far more oppressive than anything that we are facing today. And yet somehow, Jesus manages to answer this question, affirming the people that were oppressed, and affirming the government, and affirming the Pharisees that were the ones coming to try to trap him. What he's actually saying is, I'm not for one side or another, I'm for people. And the way that he does that is masterful. 
you see, they try to trap him, don't they? They start baiting him. They start praising him up. They're saying all these good things about him. We, we see that you're like independent, that you're a, you know, you think for yourself. You don't just listen to what the media have to say. You're an independent thinker. You don't just go on appearances. You're not swayed by appearances. And the most literal translation of what they're actually saying to him is they say, you don't look upon men's faces. That's actually what they're saying to him, which makes his answer even more beautiful. Because what he says is, I do actually see men's faces. But I don't see them through the lens of anger and aggression and difference and hurt. I see them as God sees them. And I want you to, too. That he's actually saying to them, He's giving them this gift of saying, I want you to actually look upon the face of God. And you might say, Josh, it it doesn't say that in the passage of Scripture. It's talking about give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. But yes, what is the context? What is he saying? You are saying, I don't look upon men's faces, but look upon this coin. Whose face is on it? Look upon the face of your Roman oppressor. Who does that coin belong to? It belongs to Caesar. Then give to Caesar. The gift that you should give Caesar is give to him what belongs to him. But then he says, give to God what belongs to God. But what is he referring to? Well, who is he referring to? What he's actually saying is every person that you meet, they may be different to you, they may be other than you, they still bear the image of Christ. They bear the image of God. He's saying, I above all people am different to everybody. Everybody else is sowing these seeds of anger and hate. And so if anyone should see everybody is different, it, it, it should be me. If anyone has the right to be angry, if anyone has the right to come in judgment, then I do. But when I look upon your faces. When God looks upon your face, He's saying, I don't look upon you with the eyes of anger. I don't look upon you with the eyes of distrust. I don't look upon you with the eyes of judgment. That God is saying, when I look upon you, I simply say, mine. I want you to know that you are mine. That is how I look at you. That is what I want you to see. You are 
mine. Give to God what is God's and what is God's is you. Because out of all of creation, God gave us free will, the ability to love, to choose to love, but also the ability to withhold that love, to make a choice against Him, against the very one that created us. And Jesus is saying every time you make a choice against another person, you're making a choice against God because they bear the image and likeness of God. So what do you get the man who has everything? What do you get the God who created everything? You get him the one thing that he doesn't have the one thing that he longs for, that he longs to be able to call mine. You give him your heart. Because he gave you his. That is the best gift. So God gave us the best gift at Christmas. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So yes, a child was born at Christmas. But the gift that was given was a son. His son. He is the gift. He is the thing that the world didn't have. The thing that the world longed for above everything else but did not have was someone perfect, someone righteous. So he gave his son without condition, without obligation, but gave freely so that he could come and consume every sin. He could come and consume death, that he could come and consume separation from us and give us the gift of being known as sons and daughters, knowing that we actually bear the image and likeness of the living God and that every single person that you come into contact with bears that image as well. He was the gift that God gave to the world on that very first Christmas. Even though they thought that they didn't need him. Not only did they not need him, but that they didn't want him. And so when God gave the world this gift, we took it and we destroyed it. 39 lashes across his back, hands in his, in his wrists, hands, nails through his hands, nails through his feet. As he hung there, 
giving his life for us. The world didn't want him. The world despised him. The world killed him. But the question before each of us this morning is what about you? God has given you this gift. Will you receive it? Will you receive him this Christmas? Would you like to stand? We're going to pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, given to us. Not just a child born, but a son, the son of God, given to us, given to the world. One thing that we didn't have, hope, redemption, salvation, intimacy with you. Father, we thank you that you gave no strings attached. Because, Lord, there is nothing that we could have ever done to deserve it. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, the eternal one, who only sowed good things, but who never got to reap of those good things. Instead, reaped all our pain, all our fear, all our anguish. So all be consumed by you. Whatever we've come with this morning, whatever we've sown into our lives this week, if we've sown anxiety, we've sown fear, we've sown words of anger and hatred. Father, we thank you that you consume all of those, that we can walk out of that door as we leave this service, free from those things, free from the addictions, free from the pain, free from the self-doubt, free from the fear. Father, we thank you that you call us your own. Lord, help us to receive of you now, receive of that image that you give to us as sons and daughters, a true image, not based on our past and not based on our performance, but based on the fact that we have received of you this Christmas. If there is anyone here this morning that has never once prayed that prayer or receive Jesus into their heart, receive that gift that God is giving freely to you this morning, then right now, 
I'd just love to lead you in a prayer right in your seats. So if that's you this morning, just pray along with me. Church family, we can all pray along because we all want to receive all that God has for us, I know. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your forgiveness, for your love, for Christmas. Lord, help me to receive freely of the gift of eternal life given through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to sow good seeds that you may reap a harvest of glory in your eternal kingdom. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, then we would love to see you up the back. We'd love to resource you with a Bible and continue your journey of receiving all that God has for you. But let's worship. Let's give Him all our praise, all our glory, all our honor. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.